0: On Message, this is Chad McLeod coming to you from Lakeland, Florida in the podcast studio here with Joe, my business partner, almost said business brother, I guess that would be accurate, my business partner, brother, and co-host of the podcast, and we are talking about communication tips for leaders, trends and insights into the public relations industry and the best stories in PR and communications. The last time we did a podcast, we took last week off, the week before that, we talked about the... Our fascination with the back and forth between Elon Musk and the Twitter board. And well, fast forward to what may seem like two years' worth of events. It's only been <laughs> two weeks. Elon Musk has purchased Twitter. They reached a deal, $44 billion. There is an uh, I thought it was a funny story in today's Wall Street Journal that said, Where were you when you heard the news that Elon Musk? Was buying Twitter probably on Twitter, and so <laughs> it it really points out how a lot of people took to Twitter to announce that they are leaving Twitter, and hashtag leaving Twitter was trending. Yeah, and so that was it, it. This whole deal of you know people threatening to quit, and then there's another camp that is saying, "Well, I bet that these people who are saying they're leaving Twitter actually won't do it." I thought it was funny. There's a line in the story that says, "Still, others are making fun of those exiting the website." Known as part public square, part digital hellscape. So, <laughs> it has a whole, it, it, and it goes on to just give some examples of people uh, expressing their thoughts on the Elon Musk buyout on Twitter and, and what the future of that looks like. I've seen articles about what does this mean for the PR profession now that Elon yeah. Musk is uh, in, in, taking over Twitter. And I don't think there was re- anything that's really earth shattering in that analysis. That it, that it means, uh, the gist of the article I wrote was that you need to uh, diversify your platforms and where your message is and not have all of it into Twitter, which I I'm, i mean, I think that's probably sound advice regardless of who owns the company. But it's it has been interesting to watch it because it seemed like the board of directors, they were putting things in place to prevent the sale. And then maybe when they saw that, hey, he actually has forty four billion dollars lined up to be able to make this purchase that, well, maybe we should give it a second thought.
1: Yeah. And I saw a headline today where and again, this was just the headline that a landowner in Texas has offered a uh, I think it's 100 acres for Twitter to be able to build a new headquarters in Texas. So I don't know if that's true. <laughs> uh, like I said, just saw the, the blurb. But the question really is, well, first of all, let me say that I think we've learned recently, I say recently within the last decade, that when you're trying to predict what's ahead in the world of social media, it is unpredictable it, it, it is unpredictable. I mean you how many people were saying um, that they were leaving Facebook for what's the I can't even think of the platform now that was I, I just remember I remember being in a meeting and someone saying, well, everybody's going to this new platform and I forget what it was uh, off the top of my head. Is it parlor Parlor? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Everybody's going to parlor and parlor I don't think exists anymore. I don't think. I, I don't um, know. A, I, so I never made the, it, the switch. When you, when, and people th- thought Facebook wouldn't last because we had MySpace and MySpace came and went and then Facebook was just going to be, a, a we were hearing all along, it was just going to be temporary and then we're going to move to some other platforms. And we have moved to other platforms, but Facebook is still a thing, um, along with Twitter and Instagram. And so when, when somebody says this is what the future of digital media looks like, I, I, you have to take that with a grain of salt because there's so many unknown variables and what there's the ownership of twitter but then there's the behavior of everybody else on twitter so i don't know that there's really going to be a significant change now musk is saying that they're going to try to put safeguards in place to ensure that there's people behind these tweets and it's not just bots and russian intelligence agencies but so i i I don't know it's going to be um, interesting to see how things pan out, but I go back to what I just said. I don't think anybody can say for certain what it's going to look like.
0: The promising thing that I have heard him say is wanting to uh, develop an edit button for tweets. Because right yeah. now you, you can't – you've never been able to edit a tweet. I so know. if you misspell something, if you say something, you think, well, I'd rather use a different word. And, and you can't. You have to either update it, delete it. And so I – if it takes $44 billion to get an edit button, I think that would be a welcome change, but that's just me. Right, yeah.
1: Uh, Hadn't thought about that, because I've had to delete tweets because we've I, there, there's been a typo or something. I yeah. delete it and do it again.
0: Yeah. Especially, and we don't we try not to make typos for clients, but we've had times where we've done uh, Twitter messages for our clients and, and actually had the the controls to their Twitter account. If you have something that there's a typo or misspelled word, you you really want to correct that as quickly as possible. And so the only option is once you've sent it is to delete it. So that's not even the main story, but I uh, did want to talk about that because I thought it was interesting and, and just kind of where this will go and Twitter has I, I've heard it described as an outsized influence. If you look at the number of users compared to Facebook and Instagram and now TikTok and you know Twitter's like number four on that list. Maybe even I don't know where it is in comparison to Pinterest, but it's not in the top two or three in terms of usage. Mm-hmm. But it does have its the the arena for celebrities journalists, media types, politicians are very active there. So I think the, the public debate and all that that looks like, you know, on social media is a lot of it happens in the Twitter sphere.
1: Yeah. There are things that I go to that there's content that I get on Twitter, obviously that you're not going to get on Facebook or Instagram. And so I think it's, it may not be so much the, the numbers of Subscribers, as much as it is the weight of the right. content driving like, the news, right? Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, in real time. So, that's again not the story we're talking about. We're talking about the series The Chosen, and I'm gonna let Joe jump in and give us an update on why The Chosen has found itself in the news, particularly in the marketing and advertising and PR circles and the campaign that they. Uh, It launched, it was a a short campaign, but uh, generated some some chatter about The Chosen series. So I'll let you take it from there.
1: So The Chosen series began at the end of 2017, and it's a TV series based on the life of Jesus, really focusing on the disciples and the people who were were around Jesus and their stories. And so it's it's not designed to be like a documentary of the life of Jesus. It's a narrative. It's a story. And there are two seasons out now. The I'm on the, in the, the middle of the second season, and it is a crowdfunded series. So all of the – they do a fundraising campaign, and when they have enough money for the season, they run the season. So it's um, – in fact, I believe, because uh, I'm on the IMBD website, that The Chosen is the largest – crowdfunding project in media and so it's it's all viewer supported and you can it's on amazon prime at least the first season and then you can download their app and you can watch the series for free they just ask that you pay it forward by sending it to somebody else or contributing a few dollars to the to the show so um saying all that to say the reviews are and the the ratings are Off the chart, it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and 9.5 out of 10 on IMBD and over, I think, 200 million views. So it's popular. It's a popular show. I would say it's a good show. I think it's a really good show. But they uh, ran a billboard campaign, and the billboards – were billboards that they had had up for a while but this new campaign showed these billboards being defaced and so it was like chosen it, where it, like the billboard would say chosen and it would be like graffitied is boring or uh at the top it looks like it's graffitied where it says chosen sucks s-u-x dot com and so people are seeing this and they're saying oh my gosh like people are really defacing these billboards Um, but it was all an anti-ad campaign it was what the producers of The Chosen were wanting to do to draw some attention to kind of encourage people to watch The Chosen by telling them not to watch it like reverse right. psychology and so when you go to that chosen it pulls up a youtube page which says do not watch the chosen and it's like a four minute video of the devil and teaching a class of minions about what they need to do to stop people from watching The Chosen and it's comical. It's funny. It's lighthearted. It's really funny. I recommend watching it. It's really, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. So so saying that, you know, some people were upset because they felt, again, that the the ads were legitimately criticizing the show. And apparently there were some fans that just felt like the show had misguided its fans with that marketing campaign. And so the writer director producer dallas jenkins the main writer there's several writers but dallas jenkins he issued an apology and not apologizing uh, not apologizing for the campaign but saying that they should have rolled it out differently that they should have given people a heads up that this is what's come especially their fan base and by keeping them in the dark that he just didn't think that was a good idea and regretted it and and issued an apology, uh, and that generated some, just some attention to the the show, um, to the brand, and to the, the decision that was made by these producers. So that's what I want us, wanted us to talk about today. So, fun
0: fact, I didn't know this until I was reading about this story. Dallas Jenkins, the writer, the main writer of this series, is the son of the author of the Left Behind
1: series. Jerry Jenkins. That's I didn't correct. know that. So yes. that was
0: very popular years back, Yes, especially among the evangelical community and, and Christians. And even, I think, outside of that, they right. I mean, had a really popular following in those, I forget how many books that, that were part of that series. It's, anyway, I just that's fun fact. So a lot going on here. And you alluded to this, but the original billboards, there were 70 throughout the country that were promoting the chosen, just your typical billboards of whatever, you know, pick your brand or your company. And so they they were, uh, encouraging people or trying to build brand awareness of the chosen. And then not all of the 70, but there were 48, 48 that were switched that were uh, changed to look like they had been defaced that they had been, somebody was attacking the brand. Now I did read one commentary that said that the the artwork was polished and it was you know, mildly offensive and so it was kind of if you really looked carefully you could see that this was planned that it was orchestrated that it was it, it wasn't. It wasn't real spray paint. It wasn't real <laughs> spray paint but there were people who were upset that they were calling and uh, complaining against the billboard companies so I think that's probably where some of the criticism of you know, these companies that uh, or in the business of billboards, were getting criticism. And then on social media, some of the followers and fans of The Chosen were upset as well. And so then that led to Dallas Jenkins issuing an apology, as you said, not for the campaign itself, but for not sharing with the fans or keeping them in the dark, confusing them. So there's there, there are a number of things happening here. Talk first about... A, a marketing campaign that is meant to be different, expand beyond your core audience. Yes, so drive new people to check out this show. Who, if they just heard, it, it's the chosen. It's a story about the the people who followed Jesus might not be inclined to to watch that or or to go and and look into it more but maybe if they saw something like this it would pique their interest that's the design, that's the thought of this campaign however what about is it okay to have a campaign where it there's uncertainty or it's not clear who's behind it now we see this all the time i'm not saying yeah. that this is something out of left field right but in Public relations and marketing curriculum, the textbook, what is taught is that there should never be any confusion where the message is coming from, who's behind it, the sender of that message, that that starts to get into unethical communications strategies. Now, again, we see this all the time, so I'm not saying it's, an, it's something that no one does, but is that is it okay to looking at the context of this campaign?
1: start that, there and then we'll uh, go through some of the other questions i have well i think that's the rub it's the it because there was there there's the creative side to it yeah. which you could argue it is creative yeah. and it is engaging and it does make people look and say what you know the, which is what they designed to do to, yeah. to get eyeballs and
0: people are talking
1: about it people and, are talking and, and, about and from
0: it. as we get from the marketing campaign into the the world and the function of PR, a lot of times you, you hear people say, we want to get everyone talking about our brand. Now that's rarely stated as a goal. No one writes that down. Let's get everyone talking. But that's yeah. kind of the, as we raise awareness, we, yes. we want our story. We want our brand to be covered by the news media. We want it to be in conversations on social media in a positive light. And so that's what we're doing right now and we're seeing that that has happened it's been covered just the campaign itself and originally it's like hey what's we're seeing some billboards people were asking mm-hmm. who who's behind this you saw stories about that and then when it was revealed that it's it's actually the creators of the chosen it's the same team they're behind it then that's covered and now the aftermath of it is being covered so yeah. they are achieving the goals that they set out to
1: achieve yes but they are the uh, the criticism is that they were also the ones attacking quote unquote their own brand for the sake of raising awareness and and people did not know that they were the ones behind the attack and that's where it goes back to what you said about where does the message originate and where does the the campaign originate now it didn't take long it didn't take long for people to respond negatively which you can imagine but it didn't take long for dallas jenkins to say it was us yeah was, this is it was us it was when we were behind you know we yeah. were we wanted to do this We so it wasn't like this went on for months and there was this mystery like right. shrouded in the, secrecy but I, the, was it
0: clear at the end of the video that they were behind it or is it still I, you you could sense from the video that it is. there is a, a theme of the show is quality, and it's drawing viewers, and it brings out why that is mm-hmm. in the way that it's done. So I feel like if you really kind of tune into it, you can sense that
1: it's not meant as an attack right. on the show. Well, and when you watch the video, that's evident. Yeah. Because the video, it's satire, and it's... Yeah. It's promoting it because it's talking about, you know, how yeah. bad it is, but in a funny way. So it, it like when you watch the video and the, the comments and I, I and at the last time I viewed it, there were around 600 comments. Uh, I, I just was scrolling through and I would say about 10 comments would be positive for one negative. And if people thought it was clever, it was yeah. funny, it was satire, a number of comments refer to the generational appeal like they were saying this is gen z humor through and through mm-hmm. like it, you're trying to it's satire it's kind of uh like dry humor and and so it, there seemed to be a, an attempt to to connect with a younger generation the gen z millennial um, younger millennial group and i believe that was achieved but they um so going back to your question about the video, you watch the video and you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, whoever's behind it is obviously a right. fan. It's right. not. Uh, it's not genuinely attacking. But not everyone show. who
0: sees the billboard is going to go and go to the website right. and watch the video. So yeah. there, that would be my. If I had been at the planning table now, I don't have all the information, so maybe my perspective would be different once I knew everything. But I think that would be my concern: is the if we're doing this billboard campaign and it's it, it will look as if we're critical, we're attacking the show, but it's really us, and it's unclear that we're the ones doing it. And if we're going to step out several days later and say, "Oh, it, but it was us," yes, it's it's a creative way to get people's attention. I think you could still do the video, but the billboard piece to me was I can see why people were confused, yeah, by it and yes. just the the strategy. I would say that's one that I would have said. Can we find a different way? I like the video and I like the creative concept of mm-hmm. trying to expand the audience. And and there's a part in the video where it it says, you know, how can we get people not to watch The Chosen? And and then there's a line about have their mom recommend it. And a, a mom walks in with a DVD of The Chosen, and there's a <laughs> you know disengaged teenage girl who's like, yeah, whatever, I'm not watching this. Right. And so. Um, <laughs> I think all of the the creativity that's behind it is was was well done, but that piece of the confusion, the billboard, the defacing, and we're going to make it look
1: like something else is happening. I, I, that's where I would what I would take issue with. This was part of the apology. I didn't. Really, it was actually a lengthy apology that Dallas Dallas Jenkins gave, but part of it said. We should have—talking about the audience, we should have brought you in on the campaign. We failed to include you, our most important partner. I screwed up. I'm sorry. So let's talk about that. Now we have the
0: apology. And the apology is pretty strong. He says he screwed up. And I don't know that it needed to be quite that strong. I mean, I think that it—
1: you think I it was like, an over-apology?
0: Th- maybe. I like what he said about, we should have included you, our, you know, our core fans and audience and the people who've made this possible. And looking back, that wasn't, maybe it wasn't the best move, but I don't know that it was a, rises to the level of, I screwed up. Okay, yeah, I If I'm I'll writing the statement, I yeah. might just say, let's, see. I think what you were trying to do, and and it makes sense, mm-hmm. The the approach maybe went a little too far. Um, in keeping people in the dark, or you, you've got followers, devoted fans who were upset by this, and you've acknowledged that, but you—it st- seems that you stand behind the creativity and the, the the pieces of the the marketing campaign. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you and I were talking earlier, like what was the the level of blowback from the fan base yeah. you know, was it significant were, were there because from the beginning there are people who were critical of it uh, just because you know anytime you get into a religious su- a subject, anytime you try to tell the story of the life of Jesus, you're going to subject yourself to criticism yeah. and a plus, for, for Jenkins is that throughout this whole project from the beginning until now he has this very open dialogue with the supporters and listeners he regularly posts on YouTube and on social other social channels just updates on the show where they are in filming he, he talks about their fundraising goals he talks about their he he he's tried to pull the curtain back to just all of it the finances the production the writing the vetting how he, he takes they take the scripts yeah. and they have it vetted by different historians and theologians to make sure that it looks like this probably could have happened. And, and and so all of it's an open book. And I think that's another that may be the main reason why this campaign rubbed people the wrong way is because everything has been so open about yeah. this series except this. Right. And it's like wait a minute. You're like we're in the dark here yeah. and you but but Because Jenkins has had that dialogue with fans, he was able to just to to go to his channels and in his regular update say, look, I I messed up. I'm sorry. Here's what we were doing. I support what we're trying to do. Our goal is to get a billion views. but." We shouldn't have kept you in the dark, but we should have brought you in on it. We, we should have rolled this out a little differently. And for that, I'm sorry.
0: He does say in one of the stories I read that this has been effective, that they've had a significant increase in, I don't know if it's new downloads or what their measurement is, but that they have seen success from this. And so the, the strategy worked. Yes. I do, you know, I, talking about the the textbook PR and marketing advice on don't muddy the waters of who's sending the message. And I, I do believe that's sound advice. I think if mm. you're going to go against that, you, you better have strong reasons and know what the fallout might be from right. that, that. There's always risk. So, uh, you know, whether or not they had that conversation before they rolled out the campaign, we don't know. But uh, it, it was one that Joe actually wrote a, a piece on this. We're waiting to see if somebody picks it up, and if they don't, we'll just post it on our website, but I think you titled it, Marketing Needs PR, which I love that, because (laughs) we've debated the the differences between PR and marketing, and we're a little biased around here, and and we think that marketing would just be a hot mess without PR. And I'm sure the marketing folks in, in the world uh, have their opinions about public relations. But
1: yeah, well, and I use this example. It's like if marketing is flying the plane, PR is air traffic control, mm-hmm. ensuring all is clear for takeoff. Yeah, right. You, you need both. Yeah. You know, and if sure. you, you yeah. can have you can have this amazing Marketing campaign, but if you're not keyed in on the attitudes and opinions of the audience, if you don't have that PR element there, the marketing campaign with all its creativity and good intentions can fall flat. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. I, I think the question of in your in the planning phases of of a campaign like this is. Where could this upset people where could this yeah. go wrong? Let's fast forward and say we roll it out if there's going to be criticism What does that look like sure? And we've really thought that through and because I think if you have you're not coming back to issue an apology like that like it sounds like oh, we didn't anticipate that or we I, I don't know just yeah, they should have brought us in before rolling this
1: out. But. Right. We're here, Dallas Jenkins. We're fans of the show. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. It, it yeah. is. And I do. I do recommend it. It's, it's The quality is great. It's, it's well done. Uh, it's a great show to, to binge watch. And that's one of their little themes is, you know, binge Jesus. Uh, it, it, it's a it, great and show. And one
0: of the billboards has scratched out Jesus and put kale. Right. <laughs> and it said, ooh, next to it, like binge kale. So yeah. they just, you know, somebody in the creative department was really having a good time. Time when they were drawing this up Absolutely. and just, yeah, yeah, put it in. But, but yes, you're right. We are fans of it and, um, good discussion. I thought it was a good, good case, uh, to, to bring into the podcast. So, uh, Dallas Jenkins or anybody else, you can find us at McLeod and that tells all about our firm and the pr services that we offer anything else joe for this episode i think that's it as always we appreciate you listening to on message you can find us wherever you find your podcast have a great weekend week ahead everyone we'll see you back again soon